0: Hi, everybody. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about Joe Matthew. Who's Joe Matthew, you might say. Uh, Joe Matthew is the morning anchor for uh, WGBH in Boston. Excuse me. (laughs) We were college roommates. We did a radio show together. Uh, We we got fired and blacklisted from WERS the college radio station in Boston which is well that's a story for another time because today kind of sucks and and i want to tell that story when it's fun time um so when i was i was doing this podcast and i the one of the stories was going to be about occupy wall street if if any of you remember that And it was over so quickly. I At the time, I thought it would go from whenever it had started and and through that. Like, I thought it was going to go all the way hard until the election that fall. It just didn't. And the original concept of the documentary was to have a member of the media, someone that was uh, on the ground working with like, uh, organizing the protesters, um, person on the street, like, you know, with somebody I knew in New York and, uh, but I was gathering interviews and I was doing it in, uh, over time and I was going to edit it together in a way that might show some sort of insight or something learned, but, <clears throat> Let's just say, by the time I got around to uh, getting to the actual people protesting, trying because I wanted to interview some of them too. I I was uh, interviewing people that worked downtown Oakland, stuff like that, and uh, I had I had some pretty strong opinions which I was trying to keep out of the way cuz when you're when you're doing something as an investigative journalist or documentarian historian you really need to keep your personal bias out of the way and one of the rules of alpine strangers was to you know follow the story where it goes not try to impose any sort of preconceived notion or I guess, you know, a lot of times when, I've, when people make non-fiction or documentaries, like to me, it's very obvious they had a story in mind when they shot it, and then they, they're they manipulating their stuff. It's, a, once again, I'm getting in the weeds here. But anyway, Joe Matthew and I talked about what, it, what like, uh, you know, he was my inside the media person because I wanted to know what the media's perspective was of the story as it unfolded. Joe very graciously sat for me for an interview and uh I I've been going through <laughs> this is the one of the strangest things I think I've ever said, but it's like during the pandemic I'm often late up late at night, so I'm going through all my files. Uh and I found my interview with Joe Matthew and I listened to it and it actually is uh, let's just say it, it has interesting parallels to what is going on right now that America is on fucking fire. Thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you so much. The thing that I, I want to really get to here, and because a lot of people talk about the surveillance state and all these things. um, Oh, how do I put this? The surveillance state is bad as a general rule. And, you know, whether or not that's true, we live in it. Everyone's got a camera. I say be big brother. And that's, you know, kind of where I'm at. And it's like, if it wasn't for... Everyone having cameras, Uh, a bunch of the stuff that's happening now, like like there would be no proof um, because people need to, you know, like the the system is so stacked against people that get fucked with by the cops in general. Then uh, imagine you're black or try to because you you can't but you got to try to anyway i used to think you know the the surveillance state thing and everyone having cameras was a bad thing and then i i realized it's just not and we it's it is a as citizens it's one of the better protections we have because it it gives us an an automatic witness and and you know what? The camera lies a lot, so and that's another discussion for another day. Um st- uh here's a weird thing about the occupy movement and one of the <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this. But one of the things that made me so mad about occupy in New York is they they the people living in the park or whatever ran this mom and pop shop building out of business and allowed our current president to swoop in and buy it for cheap um and it, it just it just you know i like i said i had my my strong opinions on occupy but anyway here's joe matthew Hey, man, what's going on?
1: What's up, my friend?
0: Can you hear me all right?
1: I gotcha. you. Do you have, like, some kind of sweet telephone hybrid at your desk?
0: Uh, no, I'm actually just uh, miking my cell phone on speaker. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm doing it real high end.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> Everything with the alligator clips.
0: <laughs> Which apparently, according to all the new news stories, that's what all the hippies are wearing down in their drug-fueled orgy me to go yeah Uh, I'll warn you I got a little bit of mush mouth um, so if I don't make sense just ask me to repeat the question
1: yeah so do you want to use this for the podcast or what do you have in mind
0: yeah I'm gonna probably just pull it I have a few questions for you just to get your idea of uh, you know what you think as like a news insider uh, as to how the story is developing Um, which is kind of meta, but that's kind of what the show is going to be about. Great, man. So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, and this is mostly just because of what I've noticed in the last couple days, is the story, which kind of, at first, nobody seemed to really have an angle on covering it. And now, ever since that New York Post article, every single article I read is all talking about like rampant drug use. Which I can right. I can only see the one source like this New York Post story which kind of seems like it's full of crap um, yeah so how is that do a lot of uh, people in New York experience not necessarily who you work with now but uh, in your experience do you find that reporters will just source other people's work because they don't want to actually go find out what's going on
1: well look I mean, every business has lazy people working in it and I suppose there are some uh, very lame reporters who do that regularly, but I've, in my experience, I have always worked with people, and I guess I maybe I'm just lucky, but I've always worked with people who really kind of believed in it and uh, didn't show up just for a job and, and, you know, walked into work with a purpose and wouldn't think about doing that kind of thing. But, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the number of sources that you are, you're going to find a lot of shoddy work, I suppose. I mean... The stuff that I've read here in the Boston Globe, reading the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, I haven't seen too much of that. I think it's been pretty straight, if not curious, because I think everyone's still really trying to figure out what you know where this thing is
0: going. Right. So when the Occupy Wall Street stuff gets discussed in the newsroom, what are what are people talking about in terms of of what their impressions are of it?
1: Well, it's funny because you know we're all used to covering. Campaigns, and this is in itself a campaign. And you know, we will we will rate candidates for office. We'll rate message campaigns. Um, we'll rate TV campaigns, even media promotional campaigns, based on the effectiveness of the message, right? And that's that's what you do. And these guys need to get into that business, particularly on a day like this, because you know I got a phone call at one thirty this morning to run into work because the Boston police had this big standoff with the Occupy Boston group up on the Greenway. And we knew this might happen. They went into an area they were not permitted to use, and 129 people got arrested. And there are allegations of police brutality, and it's a big story here right now, like it is in New York and many other cities around the country that are seeing these demonstrations be staged. So this is a good opportunity to strike because everyone is asking, you know, well, what do these guys really want? say you're going to be there for another four weeks or indefinitely or like what what needs to actually happen for you guys to have accomplished your mission and when you say that you're protesting corporate greed that's fine to bring somebody in but then you have to tell them you want a tax on millionaires you want tighter regulations you want bank of america to write you a check you want restitution um that, you know, you, you need to be able to put down uh, bumper stickers. It's it's too bad that one has to oversimplify like that, but you, that's, that's the way you communicate you know, these kind of things. Right. And, you know, they've got numbers, they've got attention, but now you need to, like, drive it home for me.
0: So do you think that the fact that they probably don't have a real policy wing is getting in the way of that? Maybe. I think they need a marketing wing. Right.
1: Maybe. You know, I, I hate to say it, but yeah. There's not always a lot of policy behind
0: politics. And uh, <laughs> they, they need to learn to you know,
1: do some communicating.
0: Right. Um, so, do you think that they, I mean, it seems like you have an impression that they don't really have a clear voice. Um, uh, one thing I heard that was pretty interesting to me was uh, Planet Money did a piece where they mentioned that it's not so much about the demands, but they want to change the actual way we make decisions and like their sort of whole thing was going back to the old Greek style democracy of like, everyone has a voice, which if that's their aim, I think they're pretty, that's just, we're never going to get anything done. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty abstract Yeah.
1: Uh, for, for a movement like that. That's a tough place to have a starting point. Um, they need to have a mainstream populist message which I think they actually have They just need to like get in a room and hammer it out a little bit and talk about you know what level of accountability is it that you're seeking or what what type of restitution is it it's it's one or the other and maybe it's both but uh, we need to get that we need to to get that a lot more specific because you've got everyone's attention now that's really hard to do it's it's incredible to me that they've been able to get this many cities involved with this many people, uh, that's a real accomplishment. That's the first part. Now you need to to finish the job and that apparently is the harder
0: part. Right. I talked to a guy in New York City who uh, he basically said it would be easier to listen to these guys crying about corporate greed if they weren't walking around on the way to the protest with a Starbucks Venti and a bag (laughs) of McDonald's. Um, Right. Do you think that the (laughs) and i and when I say that I mean isn't that part of it though like if if people can't actually if they're, if they're there for the message but yet are still caught up in all the trappings of what that problem gives us you know are people going to actually listen to them?
1: Well there's a lot to be said for that I mean you know it's like people who who scream about the uh, environment and then get in their SUV and, and sit in traffic for an hour on their way to work it's you know we're all i think we're all pretty conflicted when it comes to that i mean it is it is funny to hear people scream about corporate greed while they're you know taking pictures of the uh of the demonstration on their on their iphone not to hit too close to home but oh you know oh. That, that that wasn't even planned by the way that doesn't hear as i was saying it but that was an image i saw this morning and it just made me laugh because yeah. you know mom and dad probably bought that for them and they got really cool expensive clothes so they can look hip for their first year in college and you know, look, we were all there, and I get that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that's as much of a hindrance as it is an amusement, to be honest.
0: Right. So, uh, think about this for a second, then. So, basically, the only people that really have the time to participate in this protest are going to be the younger people that probably really haven't thought about things um, to to the probably the length of. And not to say that we old people are better, but like. Is it better is a better mantra today to be like don't trust anyone under thirty <laughs> five?
1: Uh, you're getting old, my
0: friend. I know. Uh,
1: I don't know. I think that might always be the better <laughs> mantra to be honest. It, it, I don't know. I don't, I'm not I'm not sure I have an answer to that, but I because, you know, you felt very sincere as I did Is hopefully all young people do when, when you're that age and you have convictions. Um, but I'll, I have to admit, you know, that's, that's to some extent a generalization. I've seen a remarkable number of older people at the uh, rally, at least in Boston. Yeah. Uh, enough that it, you know, great. Of course, most people are going to be younger there, and uh, and that's just the way that goes. But I've been actually, you know, very impressed. we've I mean, got even members of the nurses' union uh, here in Massachusetts, 300 of them went down and marched a couple of days ago. Yeah. So they seem to have, I mean, really struck a chord with a multi-generational. Group of people here, and I, I think that's one of the most meaningful parts
0: of it. Okay. Uh, do you think that the uh, will the Democratic Party embrace the the Occupy Wall Streeters sort of like the GOP embrace the Tea Partyers? Not to say that they're an equivalent movement, but just as far as like co opting that stuff, do you think that they have a chance at that? Can you allow
1: me to take this call for two yeah. seconds? It sure. would
0: be equivalent. I just have
1: to do it. Stand yep. By. Yep. Go, Matthew.
0: All right, sorry about that. Hey, no worries. Um, Do you remember the question or do you want me to repeat it? You were asking me about Democrats, whether they should embrace it or are they? Do you think they will? You know, I think that some already are. And I think that um, they're
1: being very careful. Mm -hmm. Because, again, they're still not really sure what it is they're endorsing. I think they like the idea of having any sort of populist movement in an election year and being associated with it. And we've already heard a number of Republicans, especially the candidates, um, really kind of crap all over it. So it's a, good, it's a good point of contrast, it seems, for the Democrats, but they seem to be really cautious right now. Because, you know, these things can blow up, yeah. as you do know. You know we're, we've seen a lot of crazy uh, protests in the streets all over the world over the last year. And uh, God knows where this thing is going to end up. But right. you know, if people start getting arrested and beaten up on mass, this could this could become a very contentious
0: thing for a politician to be involved with. Is the Democrats uh, co-opting or embracing the movement the same as that kid taking a picture with the iPhone? <laughs> um,
1: you know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that uh, to that degree. In that, the protesters really may not want to have a major political party align with them. I don't know that that necessarily helps them. And they've, they think they do, but I don't know if they, if they really do. Because think about the Tea Party. This is what popped into my mind. Um, as the Tea Party is really gathering steam, and it was during the whole health care reform debate and shortly after that, once the Tea Party was kind of on the map, and it was this very grassroots, uh, organic thing. And Michelle Bachman and a number of other members of Congress held a big rally one day and we covered this when I was at the last place and I will, I'll never forget it, it was a very odd event in a lot of ways, uh, to announce the formation of the Tea Party Caucus in the House of Representatives and they really thought they were doing something cool here that was, you know, this is their kind of message and they're all about it, they want to support the Tea Party but most members of the Tea Party were disgusted because they didn't want to be seen as part of the establishment. And uh, it seems to me if you're, if you're living in a tent city protesting corporate greed and the system you believe is broken, you probably don't want a major political party to be behind you.
0: Right. Um, all right, here's a fun question. Would the Occupy Wall Streeters vote for Richard Nixon in a primary against Barack Obama?
1: Do you think so? Why, why, how did the question come about?
0: Well, because I've been arguing with a lot of people that Richard Nixon is actually more liberal than Barack Obama. In- <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and, I, you know, I understand to, to a large degree. I don't think Richard Nixon could win a Republican primary, I'll say that much. No, 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 Democratic primary.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you're pushing it a little bit far there. I'm going to think that Barack Obama, unless the economy gets a lot worse, could take Richard Nixon.
0: All right. Um... So this next question isn't really involved, but I wanted to your take on this because I think you have something that might be interesting to say. And I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, okay. That story I'm doing about the lynching book, yeah. um, basically he was actually able to convince all these people to, to change their mind about how they were operating down in the South. And he did it with like a straight up uh, unarguable scientific argument. So that being said, in today's world, where like people basically like, and this is I'm asking you because you've been on like these shows where they people just sit there and yell at each other, uh, <laughs> is there a room for scientific arguments today? Like, would that sort of approach actually work, or is it all just about like, you know, sound bites and overshouting? I mean, because at this point, my impression is, is that even if someone presents a solid academic argument, they're like, well, what sort of agenda does, like, Johnny Professor got here? (laughs) Now, do you mean
1: specifically in the, you know, the...
0: Mostly in terms of... uh, Or just in politics in general? Or media in general? Both.
1: That's tough, because, I mean, that's a real moving target. Obviously, people are still disputing the science behind uh, uh, climate change. And that's a pretty basic argument, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, you either buy it or you don't. It probably, chances are you can understand it. Um, but I think it's easy to lose the mark when when academics begin arguing with members of the media or politicians. It, there's not always a lot of room for intellectual thought. Well, and I mean, there's never time for it, as you're pointing out. You know, you've got to... Uh, you got 15 seconds to to make your case before I bite your head off. And you know it's not only on uh, cable news. I think cable news is in many ways a reflection of reality. Sit at a bar and bring it up. If you know, in, not in your neighborhood. Drive 100 miles and bring it up.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I think that's, will probably uh, bite your head off there pretty quick too. That's a fair point. <laughs> um, I don't know. Teddy it's it's, Slicker. Ah, yeah, it's like, we don't want your intellectual systems here. <laughs> uh I've actually found I can talk easier when I try to talk like a redneck because they have a lazy tongue it's genetically proven uh um, go all the way yeah uh so that was pretty much all my questions do you think there's anything you want to add that I'm missing that would is an interesting anecdote or anything um no I
1: guess we we kind of covered it I, I'm just sort of perplexed by the whole thing I think it's fact that this is taken on such scale and momentum is remarkable and it just seems like it's, it's listless at the same time and i don't really understand how you can have both how did all these people come out for something that no one else seems to understand it's just um or everyone else doesn't seem to understand it's kind of weird and i think that it's going to be this could end up being a really really big deal or we won't be talking about it in a couple of weeks right so it's a, it's a very weird inflection point for these people and i hope that they Figure out, you know, where they're going before they get kicked off the streets or they just give up.
0: Right. What's the What's the whole like uh, word on the street in Boston as far as like the stuff going on there? Because I saw the thing you were talking about where a bunch of people got arrested. Like, are people are people annoyed with it, or are they like yay, or do they just not care?
1: Well, I think that I think it's more like either yay or not care. I don't hear from many people who think it's a bad. How can you argue with? you know, the very sort of abstract point of corporate greed hurting America. Um, I think if there's more stuff like what happened last night, that sentiment could change, because then it becomes associated with conflict. Because they've been getting along with the police really well, and anytime our reporters went down there, everybody was cool, everybody got along. Um, the people walking by, even some of them in suits with briefcases, were, were, were giving them a rah-rah when they went by. Because it's like this whole Robin Hood thing that you know is hard to for people to deny, even if you're the person they're demonstrating against. Right. Um, that's why this is you know it, the whole thing is is very abstract, I think. But it, it's been relatively popular here. I, I think if if they start being arrested by the hundreds because they cross police lines or they're doing you know they're they're locking in arms to put up a human barrier and all that kind of stuff, that's that's when it starts to. I think, affects sentiment a little bit
0: in the neighborhood. Right. So do you think a, a a relative, or not relative, but a reasonable goal is awareness more than actual changing anything at this point?
1: I, I think they just need to, you know, give me the bullet, but we need some bullet points here. We need to actually dumb it down, or that's probably not the best
0: <laughs> phrase. Spoken like a true <laughs> newsman. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, for, you know, for them from the marketing standpoint,
1: you know, we are here to ask for this, that, and the other thing. There are three things we're here for. You know, I have three asks, and we're not goddamn leaving until we get it. And either that's going to work or it isn't going to work, but everyone will know why you're actually there. You want Bank of America to write a $100,000 check to every one of its customers. You want the... Uh, Barack Obama to revamp Dodd-Frank and redo financial regulations.
0: Bring back Paul uh, you know, that's We need to figure something out here that people can get their arms around. Right. Because if you just hate Gordon
1: Gecko, well, so does everybody, and that's why no one is really in your face about it.
0: Fair enough. Well, thank you. For, oh, could you just tell me uh, your name?
1: Yes, for, the, uh, for when the lawyers come, my name is Joe Matthew.
0: There we go. What's up, man? Hey, man, how you doing? Good, how are you? Well, not too bad. Um, just kind of plugging away at everything. You yeah, at work now, or are you uh, off for the day? No, I'm at work, It's uh, but it's lunchtime for me.
1: Of course. It's high noon beautiful, northern
0: California. Yep, <clears throat> it certainly is. Well, I'll tell you, it's crazy, man. It's 70 degrees in the city of Boston right now. That's awesome. It's uh, The weather has actually turned for the worse here. Um, and it's yeah, it's weird. I don't think I remember it ever being this warm this late in the year in New England period. Well, the climate's not changing at all, so I don't see what could possibly be happening. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, can you hear me all right?
1: Yeah, you sound a little bit muffled, but I can understand you're fine.
0: All right, um, how about now? Are you are you putting me through a hybrid of some sort? No, I'm just mic and a speaker. Oh, I see. Yep. Yeah. I tech. Yep, yeah. no, I still haven't invested in the uh, <laughs> telephone hybrid technology. <laughs> Actually,
1: what I really not like, yeah, I've got a 14-line telus here. Uh, I'm going to take your calls
0: Yeah, on Monday Radio. Yeah, I'm trying to convince uh, Apple they should buy me one, but I don't think they're going to go for it. uh I mean, you need to record it for uh for accuracy you know i I'd like to think so, but uh no we all have like uh, conference call phones in our offices, but uh you know normally we don't the way I think they record stuff is that the the conference call service will actually record it for them digitally oh I okay. think yeah. So what's, uh, can you give me a quick update as to, I've been following the Boston news a little bit, and it seems like, uh, mm. the public's getting a little more fed up.
1: Yeah, it's not been a lot of good news lately, and the last time we spoke, I'm, I think I, you know, told you a story about how, sort of, not only where things are going, but just sort of integrated into the city, and the people were happy to kind of live with it. And they would say nice things when they walked by and you know, give them a hat tip or drop a dollar in the bucket or whatever, but things, things have been negative for a couple of weeks and a lot of it has to do with, I think, largely some negative coverage. You know, there were a couple of drug busts down there, there were a couple of convenience stores in the area getting broken into that they thought might be connected. Yeah. Um, there's been a big influx of homeless people and there's some fights have been breaking out, um, and then uh, what was the uh, last couple of days have been weird as well? Today there was a story about how the Occupy Boston Globe was telling folks where they can go, what homeless shelters they can go to shower and get food and stuff. And that doesn't go over really well, and a lot of them actually have homes. Right. So it's been sort of a steady drip. It hasn't been like, you know, any really bad stories, no big rash of crime, no hundreds of arrests. Just kind of a steady drip of little negative stories like that that I think have soured a lot of people on. Yeah. What's you know? This is all coming against the backdrop of what's going on in your backyard, right? I mean, people see these crazy uh, images coming from places like Oakland, and they're like, "God, this this can't happen here."
0: Yeah. So you put them together, and it's not helping. So, uh, well actually i was gonna get to the oakland stuff but this seems like a pretty good segue for that then uh because i know well the part of the problem is is that the oakland police department and the citizens of oakland have a pretty contentious relationship as it is um and that a lot of that has to do recently with the miserly case the bart cop that shot oscar grant Uh on Uh New, new year's or whatever um But also, then at the same time, you know, 90, 95% of the people that are doing the protesting, you know, aren't there to break stuff and smash stuff and cause a ruckus. But there is definitely like a fair, it's a small minority, but it's a fair number of people that are looking to cause mayhem. Um, And and honestly, I've been trying to do a lot of research trying to find out like how these people get together. Like, because the whole idea of this sort of, anarchist, like, group that, like, ha- has some secret meeting or something, So uh, it's just, uh, or is it just people that see each other at these things, and then they come together, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they go out, and it's weird, because some of the protest crowds actually policing those people out of their stuff, like, they try to go smash up Whole Foods, and then, you know, the other protesters are, like, grabbing them, and, like, you know, Beating them up a little bit, and you know, trying to stop them from do that sort of stuff. The uh, the other thing that happened that was really interesting is there's been a bunch of stories about how they'll go up and vandalize an ATM or something like that, and then this whole group of other protesters will come behind them and like clean it up. So it's a very weird dynamic as far as that goes. Uh, the other thing that gets crazy is the the fact that Oakland's been so sort of overwhelmed and their police force is at like three-quarter strength because of budget cutbacks. So they're, const- yeah. they're constantly calling in other jurisdictions, uh, especially from places that aren't quite as progressive as the Bay Area. So they're, those cops are a little more anxious to like kick some hippie ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really bizarre thing. And those kind of stories piss people off too because sympathy on cash-strapped law
1: enforcement. Yeah. And, and this why i be so in many cases. You know, when I hear about guys being pulled off other other crimes because they have to run a bunch of people who won't move out of the city square, that does not engender goodwill. It never does. No, It's not even a conservative, liberal thing. It's like, you know, these guys are out there, you know, getting killed in many cases. Either way, they're doing whatever they can with, without a partner or without backup or whatever it is, without calling them into, you know, move a bunch of hacky specters out of the middle of town. Yeah, But, you know, this stuff was common. I mean, we kind of talked about it. There's, there's some real growing pains that did come with this thing. And, and we'll, you know, I feel like we're at a bit of an inflection point here because, you know, it's not so much about all of the little things we're discussing. It's like, okay, well, if you guys... So, you guys have had our attention for a long time. We've given you, in some cases, public space in the city. Mayors and police are doing what they're going to do. But, like, why are you still here? What is you? you guys still haven't told us what you're here for. So, before the snow starts falling in cities like mine, and before uh, the ranks stand potentially in cities like yours, it would be a really good time to start answering these questions. Right. And oddly enough, I've seen interviews with a couple of organizers in Boston. John Keller did one here. And, they you know, that's the whole point. You guys keep asking us that. We don't have – that's not the point. It's a different kind of movement. We're not here to rattle off a bunch of, of the proposals that would trivialize what we're doing. Um, and, I, and I understand, you know, they want to sort of throw off the whole system, revamp the whole system to something big and bold. I'm not even
0: hearing people really say that. I still think that you need to drill down a little bit. Yeah. Or a lot. Well, just to give you, like, the, I've been making this point to a lot of people that, like, part of their biggest strength and weakness will be this lack of centralized leadership and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. you get things like what happened a couple of days ago in Oakland was a bunch of people split off and decided they wanted to shut down Burger King. And so now there's this video clip on YouTube of a bunch of people in a Burger King yelling at employees and customers, shut down Burger King, shut down Burger King, because apparently this Burger King controls 40% of all the burger wealth, uh, and that is unfair. So I don't, because I look at that stuff and I'm just, I cringe, because every time I start yeah. to work, I get behind it a little bit, I'm just like, oh are you kidding me? Is this what you're doing with your time? <laughs> right.
1: It's funny because we had a Burger King incident here. I don't know if it was a copycat or maybe everyone was doing this, you know, at the same time around the country, but there were like three people. I mean, you know, nobody was ever in danger. They marched into the Burger King on Boyle Street where you and I likely ate ground
0: cow at some point. Oh, yeah. Ammoniated and, uh, patties for all. yelling and
1: waving signs, and the cops dragged them out, and they ended up pushing back, and there was a ruckus, and they got arrested. And all that. I thinking, yeah, this, you know, what did you think exactly was going to come of that? How, how was how was
0: that going to end in your head? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that part because I know, I don't know. It's just like, and here's the other thing too about like what happened with the Oakland General Strike is I look at that and, you know, it's definitely a. Good thing in the sense of, like, okay, show what the power of protest can be. Unfortunately, it devolved again in the late night to a bunch of the black block guys, like, lighting fires, and, like, and then you get the picture of, like, the dudes in raider gear, you know, standing in front of, like, a 20-foot trash fire in downtown Oakland, which is, like, that makes all of us look bad, or all of them look oh, bad. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah, too, about the optics guy that. It's really
0: nice, and it works really well. No, well, it, well, the thing is, and that's the thing is, like, they spent all day with this peaceful protest, which actually mm-hmm. showed this thing, but then, like, this crappy two-hour thing at the end of the night totally throws it all in the garbage can. And but oh, then, absolutely. but then really? also too, because then I'm like, well, I understand why they want to shut down the port because it's Oakland, and that's what's here, and that's how they can make their biggest splash. But, you know, ultimately I, I kind of look at it as like, well, if you really want to shut down something with a general strike that people are really going to enforce them to take notice, you know, do something right. like try to shut down the trading floor, you know, or something yeah. like that. But, I mean, that's all, that would be, I have a hard time believing that wouldn't be met with overwhelming force by law enforcement, but, you know, who knows. Yeah,
1: I would not recommend that, um. And that's you know that that's all they need is for somebody to get killed in a scenario like that, which is not outside the realm of their own possibility. But I don't know. I feel like it's 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 getting a little bit boring right now. You know, I, I think that I think the challenge is to to tell me why you're different than most other people in your in college years or early to mid twenties who are just sort of anti-establishment. Um, and a lot of people go through that, and they're at the risk of being seen as just a group of people who are acting out on it differently, but going through the same process that everyone else does, you know, what's different about this guys? What are you doing about it? Are you going to just hang out here all winter and we're still going to be having the same conversation? Because it is getting a little bit more asking the same questions and going through the same
0: motions on a daily basis. Uh, I'm just curious, like, so has that made you think you should be asking different questions?
1: That's fair, but I don't. I don't really have other questions, frankly. I mean, (laughs) and we've really tried to get our heads around this. We we even had a reporter spend the night with the occupiers in Boston. Um, We've gone down there in a lot of different settings on a lot of different nights. Some of them have been upbeat. Some of them have been difficult. Some of them, you know, involved the police, and others didn't. Uh, and we acknowledge the peaceful coexistence here, but you know you still have to answer I think some big questions before we can you know start talking about what you want to do with uh, with with specifics right. and I'm probably not being too elegant in answering that question um, and maybe you have some better ideas I, you know I'd, I'd love for somebody to tell me a different way to push the story um because I never feel like
0: we really get off of the space to begin with, right. Well, here's well, here's something I was thinking about. Like, for example, with people that are willing to go down and live in this park, you know, to in protest and stuff. I'm wondering if part of the problem is the fact that, and this is something David Patterson was talking about on Bill Maher last week. Uh, but he was basically saying there has been no sizable, sustained protest in this country for thirty plus years. People don't even know how to deal with it anymore. I mean, and I think that was actually. Normally that guy drives me crazy, but I thought that was a pretty perceptive statement in the sense that, you know, we just haven't, any sort of protest thing in this country, our attention span has gotten so much shorter uh, that, you know, it just, like, it kind of happens for a couple weeks and it goes away and you kind of forget about it. I think that's a very
1: salient point. And that covers, by the way, most of our lives and probably most people, at least uh, their lifetimes who were involved in this. You know, we—you uh, and I were alive for the tail end of Vietnam, but we weren't, you know, socially conscious at that point or aware of what was going on around it. Um, and I think that's true. I mean, look at how structured society is because of them. Every square foot has a purpose. People don't sort of pose the way they used to. We don't work around each other. This is a problem. You call the you call the man. You know. I, so I, I understand that. I think that's a really great point. But. Um, I'm also not sure how it pushes things forward because, you know, we've got a long winter coming here. I I will also say that those sustained protests that
0: we're referencing were much more specific and communicative than this one has been. Oh, for sure. You knew why those people were there. Yeah. No, I mean, and and I've sort of been able to suss out a little bit why people are there, but it's ultimately come down to the, the issue that there are a lot of different sort of agendas for a lot of the people that are, are going to it and don't. I mean, I think there is, a, there is a moderate consensus for most of these people that, you know, they think the way the current system works is unfair. However, the problem that I'm finding with it is, like, I don't necessarily agree with their tactics. I don't think they're necessarily super effective. And the longer it because there's some ways you're like well if they were really putting pressure on someone economically then the idea of waiting it out makes sense if the I, if the idea is to win the hearts and minds of people in the middle that may be sympathetic or unsympathetic or slightly unsympathetic or undecided and you're trying to pull them to like going along with you every stupid little thing that like gets reported negatively in the press is going to chip away at that
1: that is true. And when you have a central leadership, like you said, there's not a lot you can do about that. People are just
0: going to do stuff that you can't control. Well, 80% I think a lot of
1: people I hear from now are stepping back and saying, well, wait a minute, are they, are we really just protesting human nature here, basic human nature, that everyone eventually grows up and appreciates uh, in a different sense, and, and this is why we have laws and why we attempt to regulate things, even though Laws or regulations may be broken. It's basic human nature in in many cases to do the things that these folks are protesting. Greed, you know, it's the bad side of humanity, but the stuff that's always existed. Whether it's Wall Street greed, whether it's corrupt politics, that's people, man. Um, So is that really what it is? Is that what it comes down to on a fundamental level? And if that's the case, are you suggesting a totally different system of government to try to manage that? Because artists tries to manage that just like every other one does, whether you're a capitalist or a communist. You're effectively trying to manage the flaws of human nature, right? And, and if that's the conversation we're having, we're probably not going to work that out in the next couple of weeks, and we're probably not going to work it out in, in a square, in a tent outside. Um, this, is, this, is a, this is a deep conversation, and it's the stuff that starts
0: revolutions. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me I can't fix humanity by Christmas. That is un American. Well,
1: <laughs> no, no, I didn't say you. <laughs> I think that uh, I would allow for that with <laughs> NXAT.
0: But for most people not. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a pretty good point. It's you know, and that's one of those things where I think a lot of people have that thing. It's like, well, I agree with this in in theory, but the way it's being executed I'm having problems with. And sadly, like, for example, the whole thing with Oakland, after the first eviction, where, and, you know, basically, and this was as of two weeks ago, or maybe a week and a half ago, so maybe the numbers have changed. Actually, I'm sure the numbers have changed, because there's been a whole bunch of other activity, but the cop, overtime was at a million bucks for the city of Oakland. Yeah. So, right after this happens, with the first eviction, after they brought in police from 17 other jurisdictions... You know, they shoot an Iraq War veteran in the face with a flashbang grenade. Then the mayor decides to let them move back into the plaza, you know, two days later without a fight. And then, headline of the Oakland Tribune, five local schools closing because of $3 million shortfall. So, you know, what, what, like, and like I said, if the long-term strategy was to cause... Economic strain, which would make you know these like power broke. But the thing is, like, in the whole thing with it, where it's supposed to be occupying Wall Street or protesting against the greed of Wall Street and how our capital system works, which a lot of people agree is sort of broken. But mm-hmm. none of this stuff that they're actually doing is going to affect them in the slightest. That is correct. In, uh, in appealing, they may be the, the only people not affected. Yeah, well, that's and they're the people that can wait it out. Uh, and they're also no, absolutely, I and mean, they can hide
1: whatever they need to. And I think, if somebody's saying it correctly, you know, in this case, it's the first responders, it's the teachers, it's the kids. You know, that's a very good point, and that's not that's not
0: good. That, that will not be sustainable. No, and appealing because people will kick you out. And appealing to the shame of these people with enormous wealth obviously does not work.
1: Oh man! And it goes human nature. I mean, you know, no, never has. Oh, it never has. You're either think... a capitalist, you're well. You're either, a, you know, on the socialist side of the spectrum, and you believe in in managing wealth and managing the bad side of human nature, the greedy side of human nature. So everyone gets a little. Right. Or you're a capitalist, and you believe in managing that bad side through a free, self
0: correcting free market. Right. Isn't there an argument, though, to be made to, like, the hardcore capitalist that has no sense of empathy or shame or the connection of all this to other people? Though, can't you, shouldn't we be able to easily argue to them, like, hey, look, if we don't give these people some more, ultimately they're going to take it. Uh, you know, and that that's the sort of thing that brings down, like, monarchies and aristocracies for yeah. hundreds of years. You know. Yeah, that's always the way it's gone. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. You can't prevent it. Why Maybe do coming. I, mean, I don't know. Why don't you think they're willing to listen to that argument, though? Isn't that like by just giving up some, they can still hold on to a shitload more?
1: That might be true, but when you're when you're dealing, you know, I mean, that kind of a person. If you're really talking about, you know, the Titans here, I uh, think other part of human nature is you know the sort of ignorance that comes with that. Just you're you know you're blind to a lot of this stuff. You feel totally untouchable. You're on top of the world. Garden wall just so high, You have no appreciation for what you're describing. Yeah, you're and that's wondering. why we've repeated this. My like God, we've done this over and over through history. This is the way every civilization has fall.
0: Yeah. All right. So the other thing I want to ask you about because uh, there was an article in it was on some blog. I don't remember what it was. But they're basically giving out tips for citizen journalists, you know, to keep from getting, either a your ass kicked by the police or this and that. Or, um, yeah. and I I posted that on my Facebook page, and this other guy I know that lives out here who is a he's a beat sports writer for a local newspaper, and he said yeah. like whenever he sees the term citizen journalist, he dies a little bit inside. <laughs> And I asked him why, and he said because he felt like it cheapens what he does. And so I'm kind of curious, like, you're a professional journalist. What do you think about Citizen Journalists? Oh, you know,
1: I'm I'm a guitar player, too, and I don't think I really threaten what Eric Clapton is doing for a living, but... Uh, they're just really cute. totally different things. I really, very much believe that there is room in the world for both of them. They're just they're very different things. I mean, I work in a in a what what some people call the mainstream media. Whatever, it's an industry that is supported by you know branding an organization around accuracy and credibility, sustainability. And a citizen journalist has, and, and that, that has inherent advantages. But we do, um, a, a so-called citizen journalist, or you know, whatever you want to call it, um, even a blogger or whatever, you're dealing with. Just you're playing in a very different field. Even if you're covering the same story, people, I think, just approach the two very differently as you know, as news consumers. And I think, just like professional journalists, citizen journalists, there are. There are some really good ones and some really bad ones.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and the good ones get a lot of attention and they find really cool things and they might be able to uncover stuff that I couldn't with, uh, you know, with, with the news organization behind me. It's a lot more difficult to be sort of stealthy and you develop different relationships, different sources. Right. A lot of times, though, it's like micro-niche with the citizen journalists. You cover, you know, a very, very narrow beat, so to speak and it might be based on a very small circle of people that you interact with, um, where we try to cast a very wide net, and both have you know, advantages and disadvantages. I think the big challenge for a citizen journalist is to get credibility immediately, even though people don't know necessarily who they are or why they should believe them. There's no real accountability there. Right. Because you can write in this day and age whatever you want. Um, and it's also... Access, You know, I can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm, you know, Joe Matthew from, from so-and-so, and it's more likely that I'm going to be taken seriously. But I, I really, I'm all for it. I think more more a merrier because, let's be honest, the, the field of journalism has been lacked by the encounters uh, so badly that we don't have people covering courts the way we used to, covering wars the way we used to. And I guarantee you that without the boots on the ground people going through stacks of paperwork and doing the really hard grunt work, people are getting away with murder, literally, and we don't know about it. Every time a journalist, a job like that goes away, something can fall through the cracks. You know, we don't cover these stories the way we used to. We used to have bureaus full of people digging through stuff and uncovering stories that needed to be told, and no one is doing that in a lot of cases now. And a lot of people are getting away with things that uh, we might never know about as a result. Uh, I think the more, the more feet on the ground, the better when, when it comes to covering stories. And, uh, and, you know, you have to knock off the... People can be very arrogant about this, and you need to knock it off. This is just people telling stories about people. I mean, journalism is maybe the second oldest profession. Um, <laughs> and that's very promising, you
0: know? Well put. Very well put. Uh, wow, you just made my blood run cold. Seriously, that's <laughs> uh, been a long time. Um, well, because well, here's the other thing that I've noticed about it that I find interesting. Like now, I do find a lot of people that are like citizen opinion bloggers and stuff like that. You know, it's the same the same sort of thing that can be applied to anything else. Eighty percent is crap. Twenty percent is good. Um, yeah. You know, and so I'm cool that the one thing that I was definitely sort of, I don't want to say shocked by, but I guess it was more of like, oh, this is kind of cool, was when all the stuff in Oakland was going on, especially like the night after like the Scott Olson got shot in the face or whatever that whole thing was. I think I have his name right, but, uh, you know, uh a bunch of video clips start showing up that like actually showed the whole incident where this was something that previously would have been like the cops don't you know have anything you know they have a greater advantage when talking and take because people are like well they're a cop they're telling the truth this guy's lying you know but then it was like no, no people start showing up and like oh I took this with my phone I took this with my phone and this is on my video camera and they were able to edit it together and be like oh here's how the whole thing went down and that's really bad uh, Absolutely That's a really
1: powerful thing. I mean watch cable news for 10 minutes you will see that so-called user-generated content or whatever you know you're going to see the flip video or the iPhone cam or whatever it is in the newscast it's populating so much content now that that really is a genuinely cool thing and that's a pretty objective
0: source yeah. you, know, you don't
1: have to worry about a guy writing up uh, trash stuff on a blog and wondering whether the criticism is, is justified. That just is what it is. That is good old-fashioned news coverage. And, you know, like, like I was saying, you don't have all those TV. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, you probably would have had TV cameras on those guys all night long. But people don't pay for those crews anymore. And luckily, we've got all this wonderful technology now that makes it affordable. Everyone can drive around with their own satellite truck almost, you know?
0: Yeah, there were, people, cool thing. There were people live streaming from their iPhone cameras, so you could watch it like a, a news feed. I was, cool it. I was blown away by that part of it. So here's the other but question. But not only are you gathering
1: news now? You actually have your own distribution platform. That's amazing. So That, that being, was a billion-dollar business a couple years ago.
0: Right. So that being the case, why is it so hard for these people to get their message out?
1: Well, um, I think they would tell you I don't think to sound like I'm changing my tune here, but I think to tell you that, that that you're missing the point. I mean, that's what I keep hearing when I ask that question. That we are getting our message out. We just, we want you to know we're here. We've got a lot of people with a lot of messages.
0: Okay, so then... And if you okay. want to come here and talk to us, then we'll answer your questions. But I don't, I, you know, they've never crystallized it into an easy-to-broadcast message. So why aren't we getting it then, I guess? Is that the question? Why don't we get it? <laughs>
1: um... I don't know, I tend to, see when we get to this part of the conversation, I tend to think the burden is on them with that one. It's not up to, it's not up to me to get it. Right. Because any other, any other campaign, political, social, whatever, it was never up to the consumer to, you know, say, well, if you don't get it, then the hell with you. Well, if that's your attitude, you're going to be gone really soon. You know, figure out a way for me to get it, okay? How about that? You guys, you guys have been there for a long time. You've been talking about this for a long time. So figure out something for me. Come on, you know. Because I'm the list of your worries. There are a lot of people there. You shouldn't be
0: there. And you you need to work on that too. Hey, I'm actually kind of curious, because this is something that came up in Oakland, too, was that some of the Occupy protesters were giving the media a hard time. So after stating that it was a public space that they were able to occupy when the media started taking their picture, and mind you, this was two days before the first eviction, Uh, you know, they were, like, saying, well, this is my home. You need to ask my permission to take my picture, even though they just argued it was a public space. And then you have other people running over and saying, hey, idiot, uh, be nice to those guys, because when, like, the cops come out here and crack us in the head, these are the people we need to rely on to, like, show that message to the world. Yeah, that is true. Are you getting any of that sort of stuff from the Boston people, or are they more open to it?
1: I think everyone here has been really pretty cool to us, but you know, it's different when you're a radio reporter and you walk in there and you got a little bag, um, look like a student or a professor, or whatever. We're not walking in there with you know bright yellow jackets on and stuff and mic flags. Uh, but there are no cameras, and that's a big part of it. And if you just got a bag and you got a little recorder and you walk in there and sit down, you know, it's very uh, unassuming. I think that if you roll up with a satellite truck. And you got the, the cameras and these Klieg lights and the whole thing, and everyone's tits pumping. And you know, TV guys carry themselves a little bit differently, as you probably know. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be received probably a lot more, uh, a lot differently. so um, I'm not. I, I have had to become more accustomed to that at anything political in the last ten years or so, when people come up to you. Uh, even coming like a political rally, an organized rally, and people coming up to you, who are you? Who are you? And, and it's very sort of anti-reporter, anti-media atmosphere that's been driven a lot by politicians, uh,
0: largely. So do you, um, uh, I want to break in real quick here because I think that's an interesting thought. Uh, so when that happens, do you think that's more of a need for these people to to think about, you know, whether or not their reporters are biased, or is it more of a thing where people have gotten so used to being able to stage manage everything? or well, I think that's the assumption that you're biased. Okay. And I'm talking about people
1: attending a rally, not people organizing it. Oh,
0: um, gotcha, gotcha. Okay.
1: Because they don't trust you. They've been told that they shouldn't trust you. You are like, you know, being a reporter is kind of down there with being a lawyer at this point. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, because I think a lot of... I mean most, most reporters I've ever worked with are, are really terribly well meaning and, and take it really seriously they they take their work personally. Um, but you know just like any other group of people it it only takes a few to ruin that. But when you get beat over the head with how evil reporters are and how you can't trust the mainstream media every day, then yeah, you're you see out of the microphone you're gonna you're not going to trust him probably. So, so that I'm, makes job a little bit more difficult.
0: Yeah. So do you think, <laughs> oh man, I totally lost my question, but it was something along the lines of, with the whole idea of people not trusting the media in that sense, I mean, is that something, uh, like is it disheartening as a as a journalist? Because, you know, I guess, or I guess there's a, uh, here's what it was. So what percentage of stuff that, People in the so-called mainstream legitimate media know that they don't report because it's ethically unsound. Because
1: they don't have the sources to confirm it, or because they don't, for some reason, think it's appropriate to tell
0: people. Well, mostly the sources thing. Like, like how much information gets held back by the larger news organizations? Because I think that's part of the yeah. reason why people get mad at the mainstream media. Because they would be like. Well, where's all this other stuff that I hear about going on, but they're not talking about it? But a lot of the people that right. are, a lot of the people that are talking about it, it's a lot of it's wild speculation. A lot of it's that bullshit where they like put a question mark on the end of a statement, you know, things, right. things like that. Though, I mean, how much? Because I think that is a big part of the reason why people don't trust it.
1: Yeah, and I don't think that's terribly informed. I, I this is such a competitive business. If you've got two more words than the other guy you're going to kick it out unless there's something so demoral about it because you don't have the confirmed or because it would actually endanger people to release the information. And even in that case, Matt Trudge will eventually put it up or someone with a blog will eventually put it up. I mean, God, every I think too much stuff is getting through the filter at this point. I think there's a lot of bad information banging around out there. I don't feel like anybody's really holding back on me. I oh, no,
0: no, no! There are no. always
1: I... going to be things that a reporter knows about a you know a source who he or she, she knows personally right. that might not make it to print. But I don't think it's mission critical stuff that uh, that people need to know to actually form a, you know an objective opinion. I, I don't I don't feel like that's a real problem. Okay. And maybe people think that. It is, and I understand what you're saying, but my God, man, you can't keep
0: anything quiet. I just, you just can't
1: keep anything quiet. Well, I, think those days I know it gets to other prominent places,
0: in yeah. uh, like in, in in the '60s and '70s, and have really spun out of control since then. Yeah. So I guess then too, because well, but here's they the they keeping or FDR keeping what they kept quiet. You could never do that today. Oh no, not at all. But I, I guess, but like I said, that's why a lot of people like turn to cable news as opposed to like network news or mcneil yeah layer well i guess it's just mcneil now but or you know stuff like that that's more Mm -hmm. without sounding elitist and pompous the uh thinking man's news um (laughs) you know i get it and i think largely well i would say a couple things cable news is pretty is getting pretty darn mainstream yeah Um, no it is
1: it does allow for more focused coverage less general news more sort of niche and it's usually political coverage um, and I just came from satellite radio where it was hyper niche. It was like the newsletter business. Like you covered one very, very narrow thing and super served it. And if you're, you know, if you're Brian Williams anchor, NBC, you know, you, you, you got a half an hour to like talk about as many things as you can in, in impacting the entire world. So you can't drill down on a level that a lot of people might want to. Uh, and they can find that in cable news or, or on the web. Um, but I think you're also talking a
0: little bit about like the black helicopter people,
1: and no, the UFOs and no, all that kind of no. stuff, and why is the media holding back? And that gets to
0: be kind of tiring. No, I'm not even getting that far. I'm talking about, like, my parents, who yeah. are fairly smart. But, you know, they have this thing, like, well, here I, I don't know if I've told you this story or not before, but, like, even before I went to college, you know, they were the sort of people that would watch the network news every night, and I would be like, you know, right. most of this is bullshit, you know. Uh <laughs> And then I went to college and studied, you know, mass communications and all this sort of stuff. And then started to get even more like, okay, yeah, this is, there is a lot of like, and there is some, you know, there is some stuff they ignore that's kind of like, holy shit, why are they ignoring that? Granted, I think it's more, I think it's more based on their assumption of what the American people will tune into and watch. Uh, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't, oh, definitely. it's not, it's not about a bias towards any one particular political ideology. It's a bias towards like crazy shit. People always want to hear about the crazy shit. They don't want to hear about, you yep. know, the boring subcommittee hearing on highway, Absolutely. you know, gravel futures or some stupid right. shit like that, which is probably really important, but it's boring. Yep. Uh, but I can't tell it. I can't tell the story. I'm not going to keep these people if I
1: run that story. And you're, that, that, you're absolutely right. That is a 100% true. And I've been involved in slotting enough newscasts to tell you that that's true. You know, you got... Here's how much time we have. Here's how many stories we have. Here's how many listeners we need or viewers we need to make this functional. So have at it. And you have to make some really tough decisions, and you leave way more on the floor than you ever get on the air. I, you know, in, in any... In any sort of general news environment, like I said, when I was at the last place, I mean, it was commercial-free politics, we would run eight-hour-long hearings. I mean, you know, we were crazy like that. And there were enough people who wanted to hear it who would keep us uh, going doing that kind of stuff. But you can't operate like that in a commercial environment or in a a wide distribution platform. Um, There's just not enough interest in it. And, you know, like you're saying, there's just too many horrifying videos to show every night that will big people out and keep them watching.
0: Yeah. How much uh crazy hate mail did you get at uh, the satellite radio?
1: Um not you know, be a couple a day, a couple emails a day that would tell me I was uh it was usually equal parts. Uh I'm a neo Nazi or I'm a bleeding heart liberal Nazi thinking <laughs> how Nazism can span the political spectrum.
0: Um, it really can. And
1: it was often on the same thing that I said, which would be interesting. And I wasn't doing opinion radio; I was trying to do like a long form news show. Um, and people always thought they had to, you know they always think they have you figured out, I and mean, they were
0: well, usually wrong. Well, yeah. Anyone that's going to spend the time to write the foaming at the mouth letter probably <clears throat> probably has made a lot of very crazy assumptions about what's going on yeah. uh, you know I'll say where I got more hate now though is when I would do
1: uh, appearances on cable news yeah that would generate you know I love you I hate you a lot more than what I was doing on the radio every day
0: well that's they because they can it's just by the simple fact that you were there and chose to be on that channel yep. you would get well it's that pretty I'm face inspired. of yours what's that it's that pretty face of yours I, I can't hear you. Uh, I said, so "It's that pretty face of yours." Oh yes, that does it every time. Yeah, it's my yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, I find that uh, I'm kind of curious. Is is it pretty much across the board 50 for for people writing you like that, or what? Did you find that you know one side of the political spectrum was more likely to send you an angry letter, or did it matter?
1: It really didn't. I, I, I would get I would get equal doses. And and I would always laugh about it with my producer and the staff because you know we would try so hard to be down the middle and balance it, and then you'd be accused of being wildly partisan.
0: Uh, And sometimes on the same show, you'd be accused of being you know one and the other. Well, that 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 pretty much. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I
1: just you you can only laugh at that. I mean, what do you do? You can't rationalize that. It's just.
0: Oh, it's I funny think, that people can wander away with such different impressions. I think you can, because it, it's like the Archie Bunker effect. It is that whole thing of, like, you read what you want to read, you see what you want to see. Absolutely, yeah. That is, of course, the case. So, but that doesn't help you, like... Make no. sense of it either. Well, no, because I've watched some of your TV clips, and I, like I said, you, were, I mentioned this to you when I saw you in the fall, that... uh you know, I actually found, and maybe I'm biased because I know you, but you know, I always found you were probably one of the most rational people on in the pundit circle. You well, know? <laughs> oh, that's a trust me, that is a great compliment because it's just I mean, me. uh, those people. Because you can t- you can tell the ones that are going on and playing these crazy characters, you know, where they're like, ah, right. look at me, um, right? And the fact that people, but I think also too people. I think there's an effect that happens and I know I've caught myself doing it especially like if if my wife's out of town for a week and I'm like lonely and I'll watch a TV show and then I start thinking like these people on the because you start to make those human connections with people on a screen right and even if you're being like a rational pundit on TV but you've kind of destroyed some other guy's argument they're going to have this like guttural reaction of like oh I can't believe that guy just took down my boy (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, the psychology. It yeah, goes back stuff to the is... whole human nature argument, I guess. Yeah. Crazy. Well, uh, I have taken up a lot of your time, which I would like to say thank you for. Um, yeah, man, absolutely. But uh, I'm deeply curious as to do what you cook all these into. Dude, it's well. I was thinking of a more short-term story, but I'm finding now as this drags on, I think. I don't think I'm going to be done gathering all the stuff for this until January. So I think I might, maybe after another month goes by, I might give you another call. Um,
1: Yeah, you could put a nice little documentary
0: together, stuff. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to do a full one-hour piece on this. Cool. Um, If
1: you did a timeline,
0: especially, I mean, you know, I don't know if this thing's going to still be going
1: on then, but if it broke up or at least went on hiatus for the snowy winter in a lot of these places, you could do a really neat sort of closed end piece, you know, a timeline piece.
0: Yep. Well, because I got you, I got Mary Matthews, who's like covering stuff for the trains at Union. I'm going to... Oh, yeah? Did you talk to her? Yeah, I'm going to talk to her again now, because I talked to her about, her about the same time I talked to you. Um, oh, that's cool. I have a line on an Oakland City cop, uh, and I also, my neighbors actually work at the Port of Oakland, so I got them, I got a New York resident, uh, I finally found a conservative that'll talk to me. Um... So, yeah, I got a a bunch of stuff that's going to hopefully all go together and see what we're going to get. I mean, I've been trying to use this thing because I've been trying to reserve judgment, really, about where I think about it because I'm trying to just actually see what happens where instead of going into it with my... Because my preconceived notion is support these protesters because I agree with what they say. Uh, And then the other part of me is, like, I hate large groups of people. I hate change... You know, I don't like chanting and all that stuff. Always like, I have a very guttural sort of dislike of that. Uh, and now, when when the hippie drums come out, that just pisses me off. You know, uh, God, so, you, you remind me of so many of the things we had in common in the old days. Oh, still yeah. did. No, no, that's the thing. like, well, I wanna, I wanna believe in what they believe in, but I hate joining. <laughs> I hate joining groups right. where I lose my identity, because I think I'm smarter than they are. <laughs> exactly. <So. laughs> I think it's largely the curse of the New Englander, I swear to God. Yeah, it's also kind of... Yeah, you don't have a liberal northeast, but you also hate people. Yeah, there's that. but I, And also, I get into crazy arguments with my parents, because my parents want to be behind it 100% for everything. You know, yeah, right. and so actually, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to interview them for it when they're out here for Thanksgiving because they'll get fucking. Oh yeah, you definitely should. Man. They're gonna, they're gonna flip out. But the, you know, we just. Oh, here's a prime example of how the when people because they love to point at conservatives and say they're uninformed, and blah blah blah, this and that. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I mostly agree with them. But you know, then mm-hmm. here when I'm trying to tell them, I was like, and they're like, so I can't believe the cops in Oakland would do this and that. And I was like, Yes, they overreacted, but you have to keep in mind. That whenever there's a big protest in Oakland, the shitheads with the black masks come out, smash up a bunch of shit, light shit on fire. And, you know, and it's costing that city a shitload of money just to deal with all this. You know, they're like, well, they, they started it. They're looking for a riot. And it's like, I'm pretty sure the cops do not want to have a riot, you know. And, yeah, you absolutely, know man. in some other I cities in a lot of cases. I think in some cities that might be the case how they want a little bit of provocation to like help them get them out but Oakland's like uh, yeah, that's fair. even now after all the stuff that's happened, you know they're saying well they want to get the, the camp out of downtown Oakland, but the mayor's actually trying to find other places in the city to put it. So mm-hmm. the idea that they that they're trying to shut down their message is totally false. You know, they're actually trying to work with them, even though this other stuff gets in the way, and then the politics of the way the cops and stuff are working is nuts, and the, you know, it's an interim police chief, so I don't really know what his experience level is, but, you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like, you know, I it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's like, God, sometimes I want to fucking side with the cops, which like, I can't believe, I can't believe that. You know.
1: Yeah, but you know that's a pretty remarkable thing. I mean, how many countries would that have You know, to, for 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 leadership to acknowledge the right to peaceful assembly to that extent, where they're going to relocate it—that's that, a pretty amazing
0: thing. Yeah, one of the places they did want to relocate it was the Oakland Coliseum parking lot, which, uh, which would oh my god, that I can't imagine. Like, if they get the hippie tent city, like when the next Raider game happens. Uh, yeah that's just gonna be <laughs> yeah, I've him. seen Road Warrior <laughs> yeah no it happens every Sunday home game the Road Warrior comes to play uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know hopefully I'll be trading some uh, bearer bonds for gasoline so I can drive across the wasteland <laughs> exactly
1: exactly so are your folks can here to you for Thanksgiving? yeah that's good man good for you Yep. Well great man. It's always uh it's always a pleasure to think to philosophy with you and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: uh this thing's going along. Say hey to uh Sloane and Bella for me.
1: Yeah, I sure will,
0: man. Alright dude. Thanks a lot. Glad you called. See yep. you next. Bye bye.